Coming up on today's episode of the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Patricia Trena, host of Locked On Giants. But first, Levante David joined Good Morning Football to discuss if the Buccaneers have the best linebacking duo in the NFL. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Built Bar. Head to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Your Tampa Bay Buccaneers lead story is Levante David joined the cast of Good Morning Football via a Zoom meeting, and Kay Adams brought up a very interesting question. But I think it's because you and Devin White, who was one of my favorite players coming into the to the league, I loved getting to interview him on the NFL draft red carpet. I think you guys might be the best one to punch at linebacker in the NFL this year. Can you tell me if you think I'm right? Yeah, of course. Of course you're right. You're right on point with it. You know, um, you got a an older guy, and then you got Devin, who's a young guy, a uh, smart kid, you know, a fast guy who loves the game of football. And uh, I, it was fun playing with Devin this year. You know, uh, at the beginning, you know, he had a little humps where he was hurt a little bit. You know, he was itching to get back out there. And then uh, his first game back, you could tell how much he missed it. You know, uh, he came out there flying around and then uh, let, let the game came, and then let the game come to him. And uh, just became a straight baller. So, uh, you know, this year, hopefully we uh, can pick up from where we left off and uh, continue to be dominant, you know, to be the lead leaders on that defense and uh, just have everybody follow our lead, man. And, uh, you know, we're going to try to be great as much as we're going to try to be great as always. All right, guys. Yeah, so that was Kay Adams with Levante David from Good Morning Football. I believe that appearance was on Tuesday morning. And it's just kind of interesting because it's a continuation of something we've already all been talking about all offseason, which is the addition of Tom Brady drawing attention and the spotlight to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but then specifically to players like Levante David, who many Bucks fans and you know those of us in the media who have been around the team have, have long been arguing that he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. Uh, I actually wrote about this for BucksNation.com, talking about kind of his history. And 2013 and 2015 specifically stand out the most. Uh, 2013, coming out of his second season as, as an NFL pro, uh, Lamonte racked up 145 tackles, including 21 for a loss, seven sacks, and then even had a safety that season, uh, getting him a, a first-team all-pro nod from the AP. But he didn't go to the Pro Bowl that year. But then in 2015, David does make the Pro Bowl, uh, Pro Bowl, but he's held off of the AP's all-pro squads, first or second team. And then in 2016, he got second-team all-pro respect, but wasn't in the Pro Bowl again. So you see kind of the, the attention that he's getting for and the recognition that he's getting for his, his accomplishments – really not kind of jiving and and following the, the lines that you would normally expect from a player of his caliber and and how consistent he's been and one of the one of the readers over at Bucks Nation left a comment uh, that I found particularly interesting James and that was that as a fan of the team he doesn't understand why people had this desire for players to get all that recognition talking about the prime time games with you know five spotlight games that this team is going to be able to play on the attention that Tom Brady is going to bring because he says that that recognition leads to a massive pay raise, uh, which translates to the team being unable to keep them. I mean, I think, you know, Quan Alexander maybe is a little bit of a, an example of that. He was a little bit of a hot item uh, in the offseason last year, and the, and the team wasn't able to keep him. 
and that's saying that you know the primetime games aren't helpful to a team because of that reason alone. Uh, and I thought that was kind of interesting because James, I know that going through the history of this team, we you know are two of the people, but a lot of people have been kind of wanting Rondé Barber, John Lynch to kind of get more attention, get that Hall of Fame recognition that we feel like they deserve. But going back to their playing days, if they get that recognition then as future Hall of Famers, then their price tag certainly goes up. And whether or not either one of them stays with the team as long as they did definitely you know, kind of comes into question. So uh, what are your thoughts about that comment from that reader? Yeah, I, I think when it comes to free agency and players, market values and things like that, if a team wants to keep you bad enough, they're going to find a way to keep you. I'm confident in the fact that the Buccaneers are going to find a way to keep Chris Godwin. They are going to find a way to keep Ali Marpet and uh, you know Devin White and the, the players in the secondary and, and Vita Vea. When you're trying to build towards a championship, these key pieces, these key parts, it doesn't matter how much national attention they get. It doesn't matter what their market value could or would or should end up being. If a team is dedicated to the player and feels that that player is going to be the cornerstone of a Super Bowl contending roster, they will find a way to keep you. I don't think the the national attention is going to affect a player's market value too much. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Levante David is one of the most criminally underrated players in the NFL. You ran down the list of, of all these snubs, basically, that he's had. And if he were to hit the open market tomorrow, he would receive a ridiculously large amount of money. It would put Quan Alexander's contract to absolute shame that he got in the last offseason. So I don't put too much stock into, you know, this attention is going to lead to problems in, in re-signing their own guys. I look at it as a lot of these guys are finally going to get their due. Yeah, and a lot more time to talk about Levante David and how the 2020 NFL season helps impact his future and the Buccaneers' future in, in general. Uh, but first, James, for today, like you said early in the episode, we're going to bring on Patricia Trena, the host of the Locked On Giants podcast. But before we bring Patricia on, you guys already know what time it is. We've got to talk about Built Bar. This episode, the entire month of May here at the Locked On Bucks podcast, is brought to you by Built Bar, the makers of the best protein bar you're ever going to try, guys. And I'm talking to you from personal experience. If you've been listening to episodes this month, you guys already know that James and I are hook, line, and sinker, big fans of BuiltBar.com. In fact, I am anxiously awaiting the arrival of my next box because I'm getting my top three flavors and I'm getting some of these cool uh, new flavors that they've recently introduced, like Peach Cobbler. But guys, they have 16 standard amazing flavors, eight of them chocolate and nut flavors, eight of them chocolate and nut free. And again, something we've been passing on to you guys, if you have a nut allergy or someone in your home or close to you that has a nut allergy, all of the nut free bars are made in a completely nut free facility. They've gone as far as to actually have two separate facilities to make the nut-free bars and the nut-flavored bars. An amazing extra step by this organization. And right now, if you want to take advantage of the offer that they've got for you, you can get $10 off of your first box of Built Bars by visiting BuiltBars.com and using the promo code Locked On. Once again, take advantage of that offer. It's $10 off your first box of Built Bars by heading to BuiltBars.com and using the promo code Locked On. Here on the Lots on Bucks podcast on our Thursday episode, guys, we know it's been a little bit out of order. We were trying to get Patricia on. Unfortunately, there were some things kind of going back and forth. In fact, we actually had her scheduled for last week to wrap up our, our crossover series, but literally the day that DeAndre Baker was served as warrant for his arrest is the day we're supposed to have her on, so she had to go 
take care of that breaking news and do her job there. But we're going to have Patricia on right now. Patricia, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure, guys. Um, so obviously the New York Giants, Tampa Bay Buccaneers set to meet again. Uh, Buccaneers fans are hoping to get a little bit of redemption or revenge, however you want to call it this year, uh, stemming off that 2019 loss in Tampa off the leg of Matt Gay. But before they get to that, before they get to the season, even the, the New York Giants have already made some interesting additions to the team. And specifically, I'm talking about Jason Garrett and Cooper Rush, both with obvious Dallas Cowboy ties. Um, I actually speculated a little bit in kind of my Madden brain a little bit during the offseason that the Giants might hire Jason Garrett as the head coach and then pride Dak Prescott somehow away from the Cowboys to lead the Giants if they weren't in love with Daniel Jones. Uh, what are your thoughts on the additions of Garrett and Rush and how is that going to impact not only the rivalry but the Giants in 2020? Well, first off, I love the addition of Jason Garrett. You know, people can sit there and they can make fun of him all he wants, you know, him being a clapper or whatever. But look at the offenses that he has run when he's in Dallas. They have been statistically sound. They have been competitive. He's been a little bit more creative compared to what the Giants have had the last several years. Um, and he's gotten the most out of his talent. Now, obviously, it comes down to wins and losses. I understand that. But with the Giants, a team that has struggled across the board, you have to start somewhere. You have to start building up your um, confidence, if you will, and, your, and what you're doing and how you're doing it. And I think that kind of got lost a little bit with the Giants last year. And I think with Jason Garrett, even though he brings in a, a tougher system, one that's, that Daniel Jones has said is different from what they ran last year and is a little bit more complex, a little more detailed, I think in the end it's going to help them. And in bringing in Cooper Rush, that is just nothing more than a guy who has obviously played for Garrett, who knows that system inside and out, and I think who can be kind of like a teaching assistant, if you will, in those Zoom conference meetings and whatnot to help the guys with understanding what the coach is looking for, how the concepts take place, and how they're supposed to play out on the field. Now, the Giants have one of the most premier running backs in the league in Saquon Barkley. There's nothing the guy can't do. He can catch the ball. He can run like there's no tomorrow. He, he's a, a solid blocker when he needs to be, but that's you know not very often from the outside looking in. But the Giants went out and they added running back Deion Lewis. What kind of role do you see Deion playing in the Giants offense when he's going to be basically complimenting a running back that never has to come off. Well, I think what you're going to probably see with Deion Lewis is a guy who's going to spell Saquon Barkley. You know, I made the comparison last, uh, not too long ago that given all that the Giants have put on Saquon Barkley's plate combined with the unstable run blocking situation, the concern that I had is that Saquon Barkley was going to get worn out before he hit his 25th birthday. So they upgraded the offensive line, as you guys know, and in adding Deion Lewis, I think they have a solid player who can take on some of the um, responsibilities that maybe Saquon Barkley either wasn't as proficient in or maybe would result in a little bit more of a pounding game in and game out. For example, short yardage, pass protection, um, you know, goal line, that sort of thing. So I think having him in there will also allow them to, to run two running back sets if they want to um, and, and keep opposing defenses on their toes regarding what they're going to do. But, but yeah, the addition of Deion Lewis is, is probably one of the most underrated additions the Giants made in free agency. And, and I think, you know, he's going to pay off dividends for them. 
Now, Patricia, I have a follow-up to that kind of, and, and, you know, I think we've seen more and more that the NFL widely seems to believe that running backs aren't necessarily worth a second contract. Uh, most recently, we saw the Los Angeles Chargers move on from Melvin Gordon after his holdout trying to get paid uh, before his last season there, and then eventually moving on and keeping Austin Eckler as what we assume is going to be their starting running back. And then you've got the situation of Todd Gurley in L.A. as well with the Rams, where they did decide to pay him, but now you know, not too long after he's been, he's being moved. Well, he's not being moved, but he was released and then ends up signing in Atlanta. Uh, Christian McCaffrey just got a new contract. I've kind of stood on the soapbox that he's deserving and that out of the NFL running backs, there are a few that you can kind of pick out of there and say are deserving of that second contract and that potential risk you're going to take in that shelf life. Do you feel like Saquon is another running back like Christian that the Giants should invest in with a second contract? Of course, barring, you know, future injuries. You know what? It's interesting. Um, on paper, I would say yes, but the problem I had that's gonna that's gonna stop me from saying yes is that we haven't seen, I don't think, the full extent of what Saquon Barkley can do on offense, and that is not necessarily his fault. That is based on how he's been used. So we have seen, however, Christian McCaffrey used to his fullest. Ex- range of talents. We have seen down in New Orleans, Alvin Kamara used to his fullest range of talents. We have not seen that with Saquon Barkley yet. And again, it's not his fault. That's not to say that he can't be like Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, but you need to see it first before you make that kind of investment. And that's why I think this year is going to be a huge one for Saquon Barkley and the Giants offense. That's going to set the stage as to whether or not come after this season when Barkley is eligible to renegotiate his contract, whether the Giants bite and it goes smoothly or whether we're in for a, okay, you know what, we're not quite ready to do this. We got you under contract for another couple of years. So we're going to take a wait and see attitude. All right, Patricia, moving on to the NFL draft now. Uh, Andrew Thomas selected in the first round there by the Giants, the first tackle off the board, which I think caught a lot of people by surprise. I know for the majority of the offseason, he was actually being mocked to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all the way at 14. So for him to go as early as he did surprised a few people. Um, where did Andrew Thomas sit on your personal board as far as Giants needs and players that the Giants should take? And, and how surprised, if at all, were you that Andrew Thomas was the selection? He was actually the guy I mocked to the Giants in the two weeks leading up to the draft. I mean, I knew all along that the Giants were going to go offensive tackle. It just made too much sense not to go offensive tackle, given where they were drafting, given the depth of the class, given their needs. Now, initially, I thought, okay, maybe they go with um, Tristan Wirfs. I thought maybe Jed Wills because of the Alabama connection. But um, I'm not so sure that, you know, a lot of people had Andrew Thomas going to the Giants. And I started to think Andrew Thomas to the Giants a couple weeks before the draft based on clues I was picking up from Dave Gettleman in the, in the conversations he had with the media. And also, it just made too much sense because, look, this is an unusual offseason. I don't have to tell anybody that. You know, the COVID restrictions have basically wiped out spring football. So this is not the year you want to be experimenting and moving guys, I think, you know, to other positions because they can't get the necessary on-field work. So in terms of the future for the Giants, it made more sense for them to get a pure left tackle who could ultimately step in and replace Nate Solder, who I think is in his last year with the team anyway, and just put him in there and let him, you know, 
get comfortable at that spot as opposed to start a kid over on the right side and then flip them over the following year. And now you're going to set them back. It just made too much sense. And, you know, in Andrew Thomas, he, he, his skill set was right up there with the other three offensive tackles that were being touted this first round draft picks. And, um, he is the safest pick the Giants could have made and the pick that I think made the most sense. And I, I really don't think they went wrong with him. Now, outside of Andrew Thomas, you know, the, the Giants made another big splash in round two with Xavier McKinney, somebody who was kind of that borderline back end of the first, early part of the second round uh, kind of safety. You know, it, it was kind of a debate as to whether it was McKinney or, or a lot of people like Delpit and, and which one was going to be the better of the two. They addressed offensive tackle again with Pert. They drafted a couple of corners. They drafted four linebackers in their last five picks. So taking a look at, at the draft class, excluding Andrew Thomas, which one of these players do you feel is going to have the biggest impact for this team? And which one was kind of your personal favorite out of, uh, out of the Giants 2020 class? Oh, that's easy. That's got to be Xavier McKinney. You know, everybody who was screaming for Isaiah Simmons, you know, I get it. Isaiah Simmons is a tremendous player, but I think a lot of what maybe Isaiah Simmons could have done for the Giants that Xavier McKinney can do. Um, I I don't think the Giants are going to necessarily use McKinney as a as a Swiss, Ar- Swiss Army Knight. But I do see them bringing back, for example, the three high safety set, a format that worked really well for them back in 2011 when they won the Super Bowl and one that they kind of got away from over the years because they just didn't have the talent to run it. So now that they have McKinney in, in the fold to go along with Jabril Peppers and Julian Love, who you know is like that swing cornerback safety, uh, I think they're going to be in much, much better con- shape to run that. And, diff- and from that, the re- high three high safety uh, set, they can, you know, really disguise what they're doing and keep opposing offenses off balance. Now, we all know that kind of the most established general managers in the National Football League and Buccaneers fans are are familiar with success in undrafted free agents because Jason Lay has a little bit of a reputation for doing pretty well in that field. But they're, they're able to find that those undrafted guys. Uh, you have two Ohio State Buckeye wide receivers that were undrafted free agents going to New York to play for the Giants or at least try to make the Giants roster. Uh, what are your thoughts on those two guys and how they might fit into this Giants wide receiver core? Because I see a wide receiver core in, in New York that is, I think, is, is fairly solid. But I do think there is a room and there is an opportunity if these two young guys can come in there and, and shake some things up that they might be able to make this roster. You know, that's going to be interesting. I, I'm not really sure what to think there because I think you look at the Giants as they're configured right now. Uh, their top three receivers are Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and uh, Darius Slayton. And they're also hoping, I think, that Corey Coleman, who missed last year uh, with a torn ACL, comes back and, and bounces back into form. So you take those four guys. Let's say those four guys are, are good to go and there's no injuries or anything like that. Then you throw in Evan Ingram and Caden Smith at tight end, and you throw in um, Saquon Barkley at, at running back. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a bunch of receiving options. So I don't know necessarily that the the undrafted free agents that they picked up are going to be as big of a part of the offense this year. I think if anything, if they make the team, you're probably looking at guys who are going to be um, special teamers, if it, if nothing else. And also you got to remember Cody core, even though he's not really, you know, 
cons- being factored in as far as the the receiver receiver group goes. He is a receiver and he is a core special teamer, so he's got to be counted into the numbers as well. So I I just think you know from a numbers perspective, I'm not sure if there's going to be any room for those guys, those two, those undrafted free agents. With that said, you look, you take a deeper look and you say to yourself, okay, is Golden Tate necessarily going to be in the long-term plans? I don't think so. And then what happens if, you know, Evan Ingram gets hurt again, or what happens if Sterling Shepard, God forbid, has another concussion that has to end his career? What What do you do then? So I think if if nothing else, those guys maybe have a better shot at making the practice squad and um, you know contributing in that regard. You might see one of them make the roster at the be- at the back end and maybe be like kind of a you know inactive on game days. But I I just don't know that. Right now, out of the shoot, those guys are going to come up and, and make a, a significant contribution on the offense. We are talking New York Giants with Patricia Trena of the Locked On Giants podcast. Taking a look at the NFC East, you know, the Cowboys are really starting to come together as a, a legitimate playoff contender. The Eagles are just a few years removed from a Super Bowl championship. How do the Giants stack up against the rest of the teams in the NFC East? And, and of course, we can't forget that, that the Washington Redskins have a phenomenal new head coach in, in Ron Rivera. So how do you see the Giants competing in what should be a relatively competitive division, especially with the Cowboys and Eagles up on the top? You know, I think it's a little too soon to say because there has been so much change and you have the new coaching staffs and whatnot. But what I would like to see from the Giants this year are two things. Number one, they play five NFC East teams over that six-game stretch. The one, the one team not uh, from the NFC East, of course, being Tampa Bay. So I would like to see the Giants come out of that winning, you know, at least four of those games. Because in the past, the Giants just haven't done well against the NFC East teams. And that has been a big, big reason why they have sunk to the bottom of the division. They just can't get out of their own way. Now, the other thing I would like to see before I can sit here and say, okay, you know what? The Giants are going to be competitive. They're going to be, you know, challenging for a playoff spot is I want to see progress from week to week. Last year, we did not see it. We saw a lot of the same mistakes that were made in week one being made in weeks 15, 16, 17, and that was not a good sign. So I think it's, you know, again, it's a little too premature to say for sure what the Giants are going to be or how they're going to stack up with the rest of the the, lead, the, um, the division, but um, those are going to be a couple of the things, like I said, I'm, that I'm looking for. Yeah, Patricia, like you said, it's it's obviously way too early to really make any type of solid predictions. Uh, but I kind of referenced it earlier in the in the in the interview, and I'm going to wrap it up here with with a similar type of question. Obviously, again, Buccaneers fans have, uh, by and large, have high hopes for their Tom Brady led squad entering 2020. Uh, again, the Giants came into Tampa last year, and the Bucks dropped a heartbreaking game uh, to the Giants off the leg of a missed field goal and an amazing second half surge by the New York Giants offense, missing Saquon Barkley. In fact. Um, if you had to, if you were a betting person and, and you had to put money on it today, would you take the Bucks on paper or the Giants on paper as they stand here in May? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, 
I haven't really done a, a complete breakdown unit per unit. And again, I, I, I'm not trying to duck the question because it is there. Both teams are currently at the 90 man roster limit and we don't know what the final rosters are going to look, look at like, but I will say this much. I am very curious to see how Tom Brady does now that he is out of new England. I'm curious to see how Rob Gronkowski performs after a year off. I am curious to see how the Bucks' defense functions, especially against an improved Giants offensive line. Uh, I, I also want to see how the Giants' defensive secondary, which last year was very young and this year continues to be kind of a question mark, how do they hold up against the Tampa Bay receivers? So I think if I were to do a preliminary matchup, I would say – it's probably split right now. There are areas that I think the Giants are better than they were last year that they can maybe beat the Bucks in. And then there are other areas where I don't feel as comfortable, where I think, you know, you can have a big tipping point. And I would say that if I had to, you know, right now make a prediction, the, the matchup that scares me the most is the Bucks passing game against that Giants defensive secondary a lot of youth on that group, a lot of inexperience still, um, question marks, you know, with the DeAndre Baker situation and whether or not he's going to be available. And if not, who's going to take his place? You know, um, we keep hearing about the pass rush and how they're going to generate the pass rush through a scheme, something that they've been saying, by the way, for the last two to three years and hasn't happened. So I would say if the Bucks are going to pull it off, that's how they're going to do it. And that would be the one area that I would be concerned if I'm uh, the Giants, um, the Giants uh, offense. All right. Well, Patricia, we certainly appreciate some of your time. Let all of our listeners know where they can find all of your New York Giants coverage. Yeah, you can find me on the Locked on Giants podcast. You can also find my written work on GiantsCountry.com. That is an SI.com sports channel. And we put out at least five articles a day, analysis features, a nice little mixture of stuff. So come check us out and Giant fans, Bucks fans, feel free to join our community and weigh in. All right. Thank you very much, Patricia. You're welcome. All right. A big thank you once again to Patricia Traina of the Locked on Giants podcast. Glad we were finally able to uh, to link up. It seemed like every time we were about to have her on, something happened. And, and you know, when we were going to have her on last time, that's when the somebody uh, got arrested. The story of the arrest came down. So glad to get that get that schedule, get that knocked out and, and kind of complete our, uh, our non-divisional crossovers. But with that, David and I, we are out of here. So please check out everything going on over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. Don't forget, head to BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. Follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. Stay safe, stay healthy, wash your hands. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Bucks.